The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, if you've joined us recently, uh, this summer uh, we've been working our way through the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent are Psalms 120 through 134. So if you open up a Bible, either one you brought with you or one in a pew back in front of you, you'll notice a superscript at the beginning of each one of these Psalms. And the superscript in all caps probably says this, a song of ascents. The Psalms of ascents are songs that were likely sung by God's people as they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the three major feasts each year, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths. And as we've seen, on the one hand, this ascent was quite, uh, was, was a quite literal one since Jerusalem was the highest city in Palestine. And so to travel to Jerusalem from the surrounding areas was to ascend. And so to sing these songs on your way to Jerusalem, these are songs of of, a physical ascent. But on the other hand, this name, the Psalms of Ascent, was also metaphorical. You see, God's people, as they made their way to Jerusalem, this was uh, symbolizing, in effect, their Godward journey of faith. Uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson says this: an, an existence that advanced from one level in developing, uh, from one level to another in developing maturity. And so, the Psalms of Ascent are kind of a, a, a metaphorical. They're a metaphorical collection of psalms for this advancing from one level to another in developing spiritual maturity. In in another sense, they were for the Lord's people as they journeyed on as pilgrims, anticipating and waiting for the full and final fulfillment of all of the promises that God had made to them as his people, promises which we know here today find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so these were psalms that they would sing on their way to Jerusalem. These were songs that they would sing as they went about their spiritual journey, growing in maturity. These were songs that God's people would sing as they awaited the full and final fulfillment of all of the promises of God. And, and so the, the Psalms of Ascent, we've said then, are a, a playlist of songs for pilgrims. They're a playlist for pilgrims on a spiritual journey. And by the way, not just for God's people then, but for Christians like you and me now, for us today. That's because we too are making a Godward journey of faith. You and I also are advancing from one level of from one level to another and in, in knowing Jesus and becoming more like him. 
And we're also journeying on toward heaven, aren't we? To the new heavens and the new earth, waiting for that full and final fulfillment of the promises that God has made to us in Christ Jesus, our King, waiting for Him to come back a second time, waiting for the Lord to fulfill His promise that He will one day return to consummate His kingdom and usher in the new heaven and the new earth. So we've been journeying on through this playlist for pilgrims, and that brings us today to Psalm 127, which sits at the very center of the Psalms of Ascent. There are 15 Psalms of Ascent. We've covered seven. Today we cover the eighth, and then we have seven more after today. And interestingly, at the, at the center of the Psalms of Ascent, this playlist for pilgrims, is a psalm that doesn't take us to this incredible mountaintop, this incredible spiritual high, but rather it's, it's a psalm that addresses the ordinary, everyday things of life. That might be somewhat surprising to you especially if you were expecting that kind of mountaintop spiritual experience at, at the, squarely at the center of these psalms of ascent. But, but instead, the ordinary, the everyday. In particular, this psalm addresses two areas of life. So we're going to see in verses 1 through 2, the psalmist is going to talk to us about building a house. Building a house or... We might say work. That's what these first two verses are going to speak to. They're going to speak to our work. Secondly, the second half of the psalm, verses 3 through 5, the psalmist is going to teach us about building a home. We're going to talk about family. Building a house and work, building a home and family. So let's, let's dig in. Verse 1, and building a house. Now, something that we should take notice of when we read this psalm is its unique superscript. Again, those all caps words that introduce the psalm. These are the words of the superscript. It says, a song of ascents of Solomon. Now, these, this second sentence, of Solomon, this is a phrase we haven't seen yet in the, in the psalms of ascent. This is a superscript that we will not see again in the Psalms of Ascent. This is the one and only psalm in the Psalms of Ascent attributed to Solomon. Now, this of Solomon means by or, or, or of or for Solomon. And we should maybe collect a little bit of background about Solomon before we go too far. Solomon was the son of the great King David. And Solomon had a, a pretty good resume. Not only was he king himself after his father David, but it was Solomon who built the temple of the Lord. And we, we are told that Solomon was an exceedingly wise man. We're, we're told in 1 Kings that God gave him a wise and discerning mind like no one before him or after him could match. 
In fact, our psalm here today, Psalm 127, is known as a wisdom psalm. And if you've read any of Solomon's other writings, the, the book of Ecclesiastes, for example, you might see what seem like some stylistic parallels. Now, three times in this psalm of Solomon, we read the phrase, in vain, in vain. We want to pay attention to that. You might even circle those in your Bible. Twice we read the phrase in vain in verse 1 and then once in verse 2. This, this word in vain means worthlessness. It means futility. We see the first occurrence then, the first half of verse 1. The psalmist writes, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, I'm sorry, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. What we're talking about here is work. We're talking about labor. And the psalmist tells us that if the Lord doesn't build the house, then working to build the house is in fact a worthless endeavor. Instead, we work because the Lord works. We work all the while trusting in the Lord's work, trusting in the Lord who is at work. Now, now pay careful attention to this. This psalm isn't telling us this morning that we should cease working. The psalmist isn't telling us don't work. Work is an expression of a lack of trust in God. This isn't an invitation to be lazy. Nor is it the psalmist necessarily telling us that we should work less. Though I think for some of us, the implication of this psalm in our life will be that, that we need to work less. You see, work isn't the problem in focus here. Independence and self-reliance are the problem in focus. A failure to trust in the Lord is the problem. You see, for, for the Christian. Work, building, isn't to be an endeavor in independence and self-reliance. It's to be an endeavor in dependence in faith in our God, who is himself at work building the house. To build, to work, to labor without relying upon him is futile. Or, in other words... Work for the Christian is to be an exercise in active faith and trust. Faith and trust in the Lord our God, who, who is infinite and has no limits, unlike you and me. He's not limited in ability. He's not limited in capacity or energy or resources. It's an exercise in active trust in the Lord who stands sovereign over the results of our work over the fruits of our labors. It's to exercise faith and trust in the Lord who supplies us with the gifts and the abilities and the power to perform our work and who ultimately deserves glory for our work as well. Now the same goes for watching over the city, the psalmist tells us. Now, in the second half of verse 1, the psalmist has in view protection and preservation. Listen again. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. 
You see, unless the Lord watches, the watchman in his tower is wasting his time, we're told. The watchman can stay up around the clock. He can pound coffee and Red Bulls, keeping a sharp eye out for enemies and for danger. But if, if the Lord isn't watching, then it's all for naught. Now again, watching, preserving, protecting, these aren't the problem here. What the psalmist isn't saying is, hey, don't take steps to, to protect. To, to keep watch is an act of, of distrust. That, that's not what the Lord, that's not what the psalmist is saying here. This isn't a license to live our lives foolishly. He's not saying that the city shouldn't employ a watchman. Protection, again, just like work, protection isn't the problem. Like before, self-reliance is the problem. Our, our efforts to watch and to preserve and to protect, which arise from a lack of trust in the Lord or, 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 or a desire to avoid entrusting ourselves to the Lord in the first place, these are in the sights of our psalmist today. These, this lack of trust, this is the problem. Why? Because it, it fails to acknowledge that the sovereign Lord is our keeper. You remember Psalm 121? It's, it's a failure to acknowledge that the Lord is our keeper who, as Job said, numbers our days. It's a failure to acknowledge that the Lord is our keeper who, as King David wrote in Psalm 139, wrote all of our days in his book when as yet there were none of them. So then, watching in an effort to preserve and protect without trust and reliance upon the Lord, it's, it's, it's in vain, it's worthless, it's futile. Let me give a few examples. And I promise I'm, I'm not trying to be intentionally provocative here, nor am I trying to, uh, to stir the pot. This comes from a, a pastoral heart. And I will pick, pick a, a couple of different examples on, on uh, either side of the aisle. Number one, this means that you can wear your mask. This means you can get your vaccine and your booster if you so choose. But, listen to me, don't allow masks and vaccines to become a substitute for entrusting your health and your well-being and your vitality to the Lord. To do so would be to, to watch in vain. So, get your concealed carry permit. That's fine if, if you so choose. But brothers and sisters, listen, don't, don't allow yourself to believe the lie that you can take your own protection into your own hands without having to trust in the protection of the Lord. 
None of these things should be an excuse for independence and self-reliance. And yet, neither is the psalmist saying, hey, hey, don't do any of these things. Don't be on the lookout. Don't be on guard. Don't be on watch. Look, build your savings account. Plan for that rainy day, but don't allow your account balance and that pile of cash to deceive you into believing that you don't need to trust in the Lord with your financial security. And look, I'll admit, there's lots of tension here. Because the Lord is working and we are called to work as well. The, the Lord is watching and, and, and we too must watch. But we have to remember which is primary and which is secondary. We watch because the Lord watches. We protect in humble dependence upon the Lord our God who is in fact our protector. And look, if, if we build without trusting, we, we build in vain. If we attempt to keep ourselves without trusting in the keeping of the keeper, then our, our keeping is in vain. And, and verse 2 tells us what the fruit of this futility will be in our lives. Look at verse 2. Psalmist says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. I wonder if that verse resonates with any of you this morning. Rising up early, going late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Work harder. Rest less. Worry more. The fruit of building and watching in vain. Without trusting in the building and the watching of the Lord, the psalmist tells us, is exhaustion and anxiety. And look, I, I know so many of you here today, you're tired. You're tired. You've been toiling. Staying up late. Waking up early and you're, you're exhausted. Look, I know so many of you here this morning are anxious. The bread of anxious toil is your food, it seems, every day. And look, I, know, I also know that there are a lot of reasons why someone might be tired today. And I know that there are a lot of reasons why someone might be anxious and a failure to trust God isn't the only reason for exhaustion or anxiety. And I, I don't think that this text is, is claiming to be some kind of silver bullet for your weariness, silver bullet for your anxiety. And yet, still, I, I wonder how many of us, because of our failure to trust in the Lord, are consuming a steady diet of the bread of anxious toil. I wonder, brother or sister, I wonder if for you, your exhaustion, I wonder if for you, your anxiety, I wonder if this might be a factor. Look, if, if you're not trusting in the Lord in your work, whatever that might be, school, job, your work in the home, 
you work in ministry, fill in the blank. If you're not trusting in the Lord in your work, you'll never be fully satisfied. You'll attempt to use work not as a means to bring God glory, but as a way to manufacture an identity for yourself, as a way to manufacture satisfaction for yourself, or maybe a means by which you bring glory to yourself, and it'll, it'll never be enough. Because you'll look for satisfaction in places where it can't be ultimately found, in, in work, in money, in the next pay raise, in achievement, in power, in titles. You'll be tempted to be like God, who is infinite, despite the fact that you are very much finite toiling to build your own kingdom and to make your own name great. You'll be anxious, unable to trust the Lord with the results of your work at the end of the day and compelled not to sleep but to stay up and keep working. And you'll always be worried about whether or not you've done enough. This is the bread of anxious toil. And look, if you're not trusting in the Lord for your protection and preservation, if out of a sense of pride, you convince yourself that your life is squarely in your own hands, your safety and well-being is squarely in your own hands, you too will be eating the bread of, of anxious toil. Or perhaps out of despair, you'll feel perpetually exposed, perpetually at risk, perpetually unsafe. If you don't trust in the Lord for your protection and your preservation, you look for safety and security and things that, you, you look for safety and security that can be found only in Jesus and other people. In things, and in, in horses and chariots, Psalm 20 would tell us. You'll cling ruthlessly to control in an effort to keep all of the variables in check. And you'll always be worried, wondering, have I done enough? Have I planned enough to keep us safe? Work harder. Rest less, worry more, exhaustion and anxiety. This is the price of the futility of eating the bread of anxious toil. As one pastor puts it in this text, we see, listen to this, the crushing foolishness of self-reliance in a broken system of personal autonomy. The crushing foolishness of self-reliance in a broken system of personal autonomy. So what's the solution for those of us who are exhausted and anxious? Well, unfortunately, the, the psalmist gives us an alternative. He gives us a better way. Verse 2, the very end of the verse. For he, that is the Lord, gives to his beloved sleep. What a truth. What a, what a grace what kindness, 
the Lord gives rest, true rest to his people. Look, if you trust the Lord with your work, you can work hard and then go to sleep at night and rest with the assurance that the results of your labors aren't still in your resting hands, but they are in God's still working hands. If you trust the Lord with your protection, then you can go to sleep at night and rest with the assurance that he is your keeper and that he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The invitation of Psalm 127 is to rest through trust. It's to rest through trust. So if you're here today and you're tired, you're anxious, maybe you need to turn from your self-reliance. I'm not saying you need to stop working. I'm not saying that you need to stop watching. For some of us, we may have to cease or dial it back. Remember, the the building, the watching isn't the problem. The the, the failure to trust is is the problem. So maybe we need to, to to turn from our self-reliance and and trust in Jesus. Our Savior Jesus, who says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He gives rest to his beloved. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, that brings us to the end of verse 2. And, and it feels like there's a, a, like a, a significant and jarring shift at this point. It's, this, it's at this point that the, the psalmist shifts his focus from building the house to making a home. We're going to shift our focus from, from work to the home and to family. And if you're a parent in the room, um, you're going to get lots of bonus uh, material today because the, the psalmist has something to say specifically to parents. And Lord, look, look I, I know that not all of us have been blessed with children as parents, either Biologically, by way of adoption or foster care. I I know that there are lots of different stories in the room. And so as as we're working our way through this, I want to say that I think all of these truths uh, apply to spiritual children as much as they do to biological children or adopted children. Something that I I hope and pray that our our church would catch a, a larger vision for, and that is to to come alongside uh, those who are younger than us and to put our arm around them as our children in the faith and to help to, to raise them up and to disciple them and to, to walk with them as they make their journey through life. This is something that we can all participate in. And so know that uh, these truths apply to, to all of us in one way or another. Psalmist says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit 
of the, of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Notice first, first thing, right out of the gate, children are a blessing. Children are a blessing. Unbelievable that this is a countercultural statement to be made in, in our country, in our culture, in our world. But it is, in fact, for many, a countercultural statement of truth. Children are a blessing, a heritage, in fact. This word heritage is pointing to this, this idea of inheritance. Children are an inheritance. They are a reward. Now, this seems to be completely backwards, doesn't it? Children don't seem like a reward so much as like sunk costs, right? They, they cost money. And um, usually an inheritance goes from the parent to the child, right? But here we see the psalmist tells us, no, no, no. Children are a, heri- a heritage from the Lord, a, a, an inheritance. They are a reward, And so that means naturally that if you are a parent, if you've had the the pleasure of becoming a, a parent to a child in the faith, then you've been blessed by God. Full stop. Full stop. I know it may not always feel like it may not always feel like you have been blessed, but, but you have been. You've been given an inheritance. You've been given a reward. You've been blessed, not burdened, not inconvenienced. If you are a parent, you are rich. On the worst days, as a parent, you are rich. The inheritance is yours. Now, where does this blessing come from? Where does this heritage, this inheritance come from? Verse 3 says very clearly that children, the fruit of the womb, are a blessing from the Lord. Now, this should take us all the way back to verse 1 in our psalm, because I I think that in some ways, verses 3 through 5 of Psalm 127 serve as practical application for the first two verses. You see, as, as we work building our families... And as parents, as we seek to steward the rich reward of children given by God, we, do, we, we don't do so independently or on our own. Remember, unless the Lord builds a house, the laborer, he builds in vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, the parents who build it labor in vain. It's almost as saying that it's, it's the Lord who builds the family, and therefore we can work and labor to build the family, trusting in the Lord, knowing that our labor will not be in vain. This is good news. And just as the Lord builds, the Lord also watches over and keeps and protects and preserves. Children, the psalmist says, are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. 
And then he, he won't be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Why is that? Why won't he be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate? Because his, his quiver is full. It's full of arrows. You see, even when his youth and strength have escaped him, the children of his youth serve to protect him. And likewise, as we watch over our families, protecting and preserving, we don't do so independently. Just like the man has been provided with the children of his youth that serve as arrows as in the hand of a warrior, so too of our families been provided with, so too are our families provided with protection from the Lord. And as we watch over our families, again, we, we don't do so independently, but rather trusting in the Lord who keeps us. Remember, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And unless the Lord watches over the family, the parent stays awake in vain. So parents, how dependent is your parenting? How dependent is your parenting? Look, raising up and building up children is hard work. Is it not? It's exhausting. Can I get an amen with that one? It's exhausting. It's physically taxing. It's emotionally taxing. Watching over and protecting our families in our broken world is hard work. It's exhausting. At times, it feels almost as if it's an impossible task. So the question then becomes, are you laboring on your own in vain, building and watching over your family in self-reliance? Are you, are you rising early and going to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil, or are you parenting in humble dependence upon Jesus? Trusting that he is at work building your family. Trusting that he is at work watching over your family. Jesus gives his people rest for their soul. Jesus gives his beloved sleep. I wonder, are you experiencing any of it? If not, this might be a clue that you're not trusting in the builder, that you're not trusting in the watcher. And, and, and a good place to start might be with an open-handed prayer. And I'm, I'm talking about metaphorically open-handed, but I'm, I'm actually saying it, it might be helpful if you stand like this, physically open-handed. What if, what if you began each and every day, before you did any building or any watching of your own, what if you began each and every day like this, with your hands open, acknowledging in prayer that the Lord will go before you that day, building and watching. And because He builds and He watches, you too get to build and to watch What if you ended each day standing with your hands open, your, your heart open, praying to the Lord as you cease your building, 
as you cease your watching for the day, if you end your day by acknowledging that the Lord is your keeper, and as you slumber and sleep, he doesn't. How dependent is your parenting? How dependent is your work? One thing I think that we need to address that we haven't fully addressed as we wrap up is, is that superscript. I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the psalm. It's really interesting that this psalm is the one and only psalm in the Psalms of Ascent written by Solomon. And we talked about in the intro week that these superscripts are part of the inspired text. And so the, the Lord was very purposeful as he carried the author along to include this superscript. That this, why was this psalm written by or for Solomon? What, what, what is the significance of the connection there? Turn, if you will, in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. We'll end here. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, we read about the covenant that the Lord made with King David, Solomon's dad. Second Samuel chapter 7, starting in verse 4. And for context here, this is what's happening. David has decided, hey, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. This is what David has decided. David wants to build, King David wants to build a house for the Lord. And then we get here to verse 4. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, a confidant of David's. The word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? This is the Lord saying, you desire to build me a house? I have something very different in mind for you. And we skip down to verse 8. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David. See if you can find, pick out parallels between 2 Samuel chapter 7 and Psalm 127. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that I may dwell in their own place. So that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more. It's almost as if the Lord is watching over them, isn't it? Violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you, what? Rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. 
when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring, children after you, a child in particular, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. There's so much here. There's another sermon's worth of of unpacking that we could do here. But, But think about it. Think about being Solomon, son of the great King David, to whom the Lord made these promises. I will build you a house. And your offspring who comes after you, he will build the house. And I'll protect you from your enemies and I will give you rest. Think about being Solomon who takes the throne after his father. Think of the pressure. Think of the temptation. The temptation to to become prideful. Think of the danger of potentially convincing yourself that you are the answer to all of Israel's problems. Your building, your watching, your protection. And so it's, it's King Solomon who writes us. Psalm 127, the builder of the temple, who says, Brothers and sisters, unless the Lord builds, your building is in vain. And Solomon reminds us, unless the Lord protects you, you're staying up late, you're going, uh, you're going to bed late, you're getting up early, you're, you're watching, it's, it's all in vain. The Lord is at work building a people for himself. He's at work building his church. The the Lord is the keeper and the protector of his people, of his church. We know from our vantage point now that that Solomon was, was not the final, the ultimate answer that the Lord was promising to David and to God's people, was he? We know. All of these promises find their yes and amen in our Lord, in our Savior, in our King, Jesus Christ. And he's building, even right now as we sit here, he's, he's watching over, he's protecting, even right now when we sit here, and he's coming back to, to bring all of these promises into a full and final fulfillment. And in the meantime, brothers and sisters, there is work to be done. There is building to be done. There is watching to be done. But we do so. We do so in faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, who is the capital B Builder, who is the capital W Watcher. And if we work and we watch... In faith, 
and trust, then, brothers and sisters, he will, until that day, give you and me rest. Let's pray. Father, Lord, so many of us are toiling, laboring. We're eating this bread of of anxious toil. We're exhausted. Uh, Lord, if, if if that's us... And Lord, if, if our exhaustion or our anxiety is in any way, shape, or form related to our, our failure to trust in you, our God who works and builds ahead of us, our God who watches over us and keeps us and protects us, Father, would you give us the grace that we need to, to turn to Jesus in repentance and faith? Father, would we rest by way of our trusting? We thank you for the the kindness that you've given us, the truth that you've given us through Psalm 127. Lord, would it transform the way that we work, the way that we parent, the way that we wait for Jesus' promised return, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.